welcome Brother Larry to share with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's stand up just again real quick. Come on, let's say, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am. I am a child of God. Come on, drums, help us out. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Come on now. I am a child of God. Come on, sing it again. I'm no longer. Ah, no longer. I am a child. No longer, no longer. No longer, no more. I am a child. The Lord split the sea so I could walk right through it. Stand and sing. I am a child. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm no longer. Your perfect love, Lord. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. A child. Come on, lift it up, lift it up. A child of God. I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer. No more, Lord, no more. I am a child of God. Come on. No longer. No more. I am a child of God. Sing it again. No, I'm no longer. I'm no longer. No more. Oh, no. I am a child. One more time, I'm no longer. I'm no longer I am a child of God. Think about this. Think about this. I'm no longer a slave to worry. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to stress. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to depression. I am a child of God. How about this? I'm no longer a slave to anger. I am a child of God. Let's all sing it again. I'm no longer. I'm no longer... A slave to fear. 
No more. I am a child of God. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. No longer. Thank you, team. Y'all can be seated. Praise God. Five words. I am a child of the six words of God. (laughs) I am a child of God. That's huge. I mean, that means you're an overcomer. That means you're more than a conqueror. That that means you're victorious. That means, come on, you're on the winning team. Man, we haven't gotten a hold of what that means. I'm a child of God. Oh, man. An eternal being just like my daddy. Eternal being. That's why we're living, speaking spirits created in His image and His likeness. Oh, Father, help us to see this. You don't put up for second best. You don't put up defeat. You don't put up for failure when you go through life. When you realize, wait a minute, I am a child of God. I think I'll just join Him. He sits in the heavens and laughs at His enemies. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm, mm, mm. I remember Brother Hagin used to make a statement years ago when I was in his crusades, the late Kenneth Hagin Sr. He would say, you know what, we could go home now and say it was good to have been there. <laughs> I kind of feel like that right now. I'm just, I got so stirred up. And thank you, praise the worship team. I just, I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear, worry, stress, depression, discouragement, hate. I'm, not, I'm no longer a fear, a, a slave to those things anymore. They have to bow their knee to me. They're under my feet. That's why devils are afraid of me. When I hear Christians talk about, talk about evil spirits as, you know, and the devil like he's this big ogre, you know, you've got to watch out. You better be careful. You don't want the devil to hear you. <laughs> no, I want him to hear me. Yeah, he's the very dude I talk to and let him know you get back under my feet where you belong. Amen. If he's trying to creep up under your body with sickness and disease, time to get him back down where it belongs. Creeping up into your mind with depression, stress, fear. Get him back down where he belongs. Creeping up into your bank accounts with, with poverty and lack. Get him back down where he belongs. We are the redeemed. Jesus. We don't... Guess what? He was called the last Jesus. <laughs> Amen. The last Adam. He was called the last Adam. We don't need a, a, another Adam. The first one messed it up. The last one fixed it up. And so we don't need another. You know what that means? It means He's totally redeemed us. In fact, there's only one enemy that's not been put underfoot yet. The Bible tells us that's physical death. So the very worst thing the devil can do to you as a Christian is kill you and send you into the presence of Jesus a little quicker. That's, that's the worst thing can do. But everything else has been defeated, whipped, stripped, and made a show of openly. We can walk in victory in every area of our lives and even live out our length of days free from sickness, disease, weakness. And Oh, my goodness. I'm preaching me happy now. Tell you. you know what? You know what the Lord showed me just a couple of years ago in my prayer time? He, um, 
I was I was sitting there. Now you guys, you know, you know, by Jesus stripes we were healed. You ever hear that verse? You ever hear Jesus bore our sicknesses? You heard it this morning. I know you heard it. You ever hear he sent his word and healed you and delivered you from destruction? You ever hear that he daily loads you with benefits and those benefits are he forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with love and kindness, tender mercy, satisfy your mouth with good things so your youth is renewed like you? Ever hear all those things? Well, I'm meditating in my office one day a couple years ago and all of a sudden the Lord spoke up to me and he said, uh, he said, at what age, at what age does Matthew 8:17 quit applying? Matthew 8:17 Jesus bore our sicknesses. At what age does 1 Peter 2:24 by his stripes we were healed? At what age does 1 Peter 2:24 stop applying? I said, "Lord, at no age." He said, "Then you do not have to have any illnesses associated with old people." Because whether it's Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, Lou Gehrig's, um, uh, it, what, what's that one disease that makes people shake and stuff? Parkinson's. He said no matter what disease is associated with old people, he said, I bore that on the cross as much as I bore any other disease. So you never have to be sick in your life. You can live your full length of life out low, below like Abraham did. And then when you're ready to go, yield up the ghost. You do not have to die sick. My mentor, I have two mentors in my life, the late Curtis Bradford, my pastor from Florida that's now in heaven, and the late Kenneth E. Hagan. Both of them showed me how to die free from sickness and disease. My pastor, when he had filled his call down here on the earth below and he'd done everything, man, I mean, he was healthy. You know the old saying, healthy as a horse? <laughs> this guy was the epitome of health. He never had a sick day. I mean, he, didn't, he never had a cold. I mean, this guy was the epitome healthy. He ate healthy. He exercised almost every day, and he's just the epitome of health. And so finally, when he was ready to go to heaven, he, he called up. He, he wouldn't tell me because I, I would have made him hang around a few more years. But he called his daughters uh, and uh, called them over to the house one day. This was just a few months before he decided to go to heaven. And he was, he was, he was not going to tell them he was going to die. So he, he was kind of setting them up without them knowing it. But he said this when he had him over. He said, girls, I just want you to know, you know your daddy's healthy and strong and lived a great life and enjoying Jesus. And he said, but I just want you to know, you're going to be hearing something about your daddy fairly soon, and I just don't want it to trouble you. I don't want it to bother you. And, of course, being his two daughters, they said, Dad, what are you talking about? What do you mean something's going to be happening to you? Just, honey, just know that when you hear something unusual about your dad, just know everything is fine. They... They couldn't get it out of them, so they finally just dropped it. Well, a couple months later, one of the daughters came over to the house and knocked on the door, and he, he didn't answer, so they let themselves in, went back in the bedroom. He was laying on the bed. They thought he was taking a nap, but he was gone. Called the paramedics. They came. They said, well, there's nothing wrong with him. His heart stopped. I guess if you leave your body, your heart's going to stop. <laughs> And I, I, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to let him know. I'm going to say, Pastor Curtis, you were an example to me when you lived, but you were an example to me when you died. You showed me how the righteous are supposed to die. The same Lord that is big enough to put breath in you is big enough to take it out of you without Satan's help. 
This wasn't part of my message tonight, but it's sure good stuff, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, let's open to Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. So I, that just thrilled me when he said, at what age do these scriptures quit applying? And I said, no age. So therefore, then, if Moses could live to 120 without any sickness or disease, and the Bible says his eyes didn't even get dim, so he didn't lose his eyesight as he got older. So he didn't have osteoporosis, arthritis, brusitis, tendonitis, only, only Goditis. And when I saw Ab- uh, Moses, I thought, now wait a minute. Moses was not born again like I am. He was under the old covenant. I'm under the new. He was under the one that wasn't as good. I'm under a better covenant established on better promises. He had not been redeemed yet. I have been. He didn't have Jesus and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. I do. So if he can live free from sickness, disease, and pain all the days of his life, how much more can I? See, I I just dare to believe the truth, friends, because the truth is what changes things. I have one of my board members. He's another epitome of, he's 81 years old, but if you saw him today and saw him working out in his ranch and everything, you'd think he was 60. You'd think he was 60 that could overtake any 30-year-old is what you'd think. Because he's the epitome of health, but he got a hold of my message, Long Life. I have a book out on the subject, and he got a hold of that truth that, well, if Moses could do it under the Old Covenant, how much more can we? If Caleb, remember Caleb and Joshua? Remember when Caleb at 85 said, I'm as strong today as when I was 40? Remember when he said that? But he said it in the context of, I could actually go out to a war right now and fight a war with sword and shield is all they had back then, by the way. I could go out and fight a battle whip a bunch of guys, come back. Here I am, 85, and I could come back, and I'm just as healthy as when I was 40. I thought, if Caleb could do it, how much more? Amen. If I'm foolish enough to believe the Word of God and it works, then call me a fool, because it's working. Hallelujah. Found Isaiah 53 yet? This was our foundation text from this morning, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely Jesus bore our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Remember the word grief also means calamity and anxiety. So when you look at grief and calamity and anxiety, you're talking about worry. You're talking about stress. You're talking about panic attacks. All of those emotional disorders. And then the word sorrows here means anguish, sorrow, and pain. Both emotional and physical pain. And when you look at those words, you realize that covers hurt feelings, it covers anger problems, it covers depression, oppression, hopelessness, guilt, shame, and all of those negative emotions. So when Jesus went to the cross for you and for me, He bore every negative emotion that I will ever have to face in this life, and He overcame it for me. Then He faced, verse 5 said, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, That simply means he faced all the causes and all the reasons for us to be depressed or stressed or worried or uptight or mad or anxious or panicking or whatever. He bore all of, he he faced all the reasons of the causes and he defeated them for us as well. So he not only bore my depression, but he bore every reason or cause for me to be depressed. He not only, only bore my stress, but he bore every reason or cause for me to be stressed. He not only bore my worries, but He bore every reason or cause for me to be worried. So when I face those things, those reasons, those causes, 
And they're legitimate. All of us face all these different reasons where we all of a sudden feel the pressure and feel the stress and feel that. But when we face them, we don't have to allow them to, to stay in our, our mind and our emotions. Don't have to. Why? Because Jesus bore them for us. Turn with me over to John chapter 16. In John 14, 27, this morning we saw Jesus said, I give you my peace. That peace is a supernatural endowment from heaven, part of God's grace. And that grace enables you to live supernaturally in a way you can't live on your own. Wow. Um, John chapter 16, we'll look at verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, These things I write unto you, or have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. These things I've spoken to you. Now, that would include what we saw this morning just a couple chapters back. Because remember, the Bible was never written in chapter and verse. Later on, man divided it with chapters and verses, but it was not written. It was like a letter. And so when you go from John 14, 27 and come down here to John 16, 33, it's not too many verses later. So when he said, these things I've spoken to you, that includes when he said, I give you my peace. Now, don't let your emotions be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. He told us because we have this supernatural peace, we can actually use it to overcome depression, discouragement, stress, bad temper and anger problems. You can actually use this fruit of peace to overcome that. Remember this morning, we found out peace is not seasonal fruit. I have it in me 24-7, 365. I've actually heard people say, well, Brother Larry, I just lost my peace. I said, no, that's impossible. You didn't lose the Holy Ghost. He's still in there. He's still got the fruit of peace in there. So you didn't lose your peace. You just didn't use your peace. You catch that? You can't lose your peace. You can't lose your love. You can't lose your joy. You can't lose your goodness, kindness, gentleness. You can't lose because the whole, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's God's fruit. That's not your fruit. And in fact, the last one, King James says temperance, but if you look that up in the other translations, it says self-control. I got a hold of that years ago and realized, wait a minute. God said I can use His self-control to control myself. It's not me trying, okay, I, I got to keep control, got to stay in control here, got to try and keep control with my self-control. No, 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 no. No, you need to rest and yield to His self-control because it's a whole lot more powerful. Realize that He's got everything under control. And when you yield to that, you will rest. Is this good or what? These things I've spoken to you that in me... Now, the King James says in me you might have peace. Actually, if you'll look up the Greek language here that used the words you might have or just one Greek word. And the definition... Uh, might is not even in the definition. It's not even there. In fact, the Greek word says this. It says, uh, in Him you hold peace. The word hold. In Him you possess peace. In Him your ability is peace. In Him you have a relationship with peace. And in Him your condition is peace. That's what the literal Greek means. It's not saying, well, you might have it or you might not. No, in, in Him you possess peace. You hold peace. Your ability is peace. You have a relationship with peace. And your condition is peace. And how many of you are in Him? If you're born again, you're in Jesus. And so that means your condition is peace, your relationship is peace, you're, you possess peace, and you have the ability of peace in you. 
That's why he's able to go on in the rest of the verse to say, in the world, you're going to have to deal with tribulation. King James says you'll have tribulation. It means uh, it's a relational term in the Greek language. It means you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to face, you're going to come up against. So in this world, you're going to, you're going to face tribulation. Now, the word tribulation means pressure. It means anguish. Are, are we kind of hitting different emotions here, right? Pressure, anguish, tasks, trials, troubles, um, uh, stress, pressure. So we're seeing all of these negative emotions. Jesus said right here in the world, you're going to face these things. But then he says, but be of good cheer. Literally, the Greek says, be bold and courageous. What does that mean? Well, in other words, when I'm facing all of these things coming against me, the depression, the stress, the worries, all those things, he said, be bold and courageous. Why? I've overcome the world. Is that what he says? I've overcome the world? I've overcome the world. So, so now that's interesting because those last two words, the world, everybody say the world. Those same two Greek words are used earlier in the verse. In the world, you'll face tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So now let's make it simpler to understand. In the world, you'll face pressure, stress, bad temper, depression, worry. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the depression, worry, stress. Are you getting this? In other words, when he's talking about the world, he's talking about what the world is throwing at us to try and overcome us. But he said, hey, I've already overcome it for you. What have I overcome? I overcame the pressure, the stress, the, the panic attacks, the sleep disorders. I overcame the, the hurt feelings. I overcame the bad temper. You don't have to allow it to stay anymore in your life. I've overcome it for you. And in fact, the literal Greek says more like the Amplified. The end of this verse in the Amplified, I don't know if you can put the Amplified up or not, guys. I don't think they're listening to me. If, can you put the Amplified up back there? <laughs> they were talking away and I caught them. I busted you. Um, <laughs> but no, you guys do great. Trust, you're, you're awesome. But the, the actual uh, Amplified says, uh, I've deprived it, talking about the world, I've deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. I love that. I've deprived it of power because isn't that what Jesus did to sin and to sickness and to every curse? I've deprived it of power to harm you. Go on toward the end of it. For I have overcome the world. I have, and then we can't see the rest. I've deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. There it is. I have deprived it of power to... Keep going. Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. <laughs> I've deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. But here's what I want you to see. When the Lord brought me here and showed me that the, the world's going to throw this tribulation, the, the, the depression, the worry, the stress, and all this at us, He said, I've deprived it of power. Well, that's what we saw back in Isaiah. He defeated it. So it has no. if it's defeated, it has no power. It's deprived of power, right? So here's what the Lord showed me. He said, Larry, when, and then he named all the individual things. Let's just name one or two here. When depression comes against you, starts as a thought to try and get you to feel a certain way. When depression comes against you, it has no power of its own to make you depressed. Because I've already conquered it for you. I've already defeated it. I took the power out of it. 
So when depression comes against you, it's nothing but a facade. It's nothing but a, f- a front. A big bag of hot air with no oomph behind it. Are you getting this? So here's what the Lord showed me. He said, when depression comes against you, since it has no power to make you depressed, it has to try and get you to believe in it. And when you believe I'm depressed, you actually give it the power to overwhelm you. It's usurping your power and authority. When I saw that, I thought, no more than, uh-uh, baby. Forget that. You have no power. When, when stress, nope, I'm not going to be stressed. You have no power to make me feel stressed. When I feel uh, discouraged, <laughs> discouragement, get out of here. You have no power to make me feel that way. I'm not giving it to you. You're deprived of power. It's like Daniel. Everybody knows Daniel chapter 3 where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fire. Remember in verse 22, it says, Because the king's commandment was so urgent and the uh, flame of the fire exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew the men uh, that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you remember who the, the most mighty men in his army are the ones that threw him in. And the Bible says that, well, this is how Satan's plans are. If you and I stand up in faith, Satan's plans will always backfire. And so King Nebuchadnezzar commanded the fire to be turned up seven times hotter than normal. So when his most mighty men in his army get close enough to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, the fire's so hot it kills them. Backfired on the king. But then, if you go on reading there in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar starts carrying on a conversation with all of the rest of his uh, main men. And he said, hey guys, didn't we throw three men into the fire? I see four men in there. And they don't have any hurt. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, this is what verse 26, Daniel 3 says, He came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and hollered out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, told him to come out. Now, wait a minute. He came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace. The same place his most mighty men in his army were just a few moments before They got killed because the fire had so much power. Now when he comes close, the fire has no power. And in fact, when they come out of the fire, the Bible says in around verse 27, 28, somewhere in there of Daniel 3, it says uh, that the king's counselors and governors and captains and all them saw these bodies upon whose bodies the fire had no power. There it is. Saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their heads wasn't sensed. Their garments affected the smell of fire wasn't on them. Folks, it still looked like fire. It still sounded like fire. But it had no power. That's what faith does. Faith puts uh, uh, its total trust and confidence in what God says. And then grace flows and the power goes. That's what God did with fear and worry, and stress, and depression. He took all the power out. Let me illustrate something else. What if I were to hand you, let's just say you and I were standing together, and I handed you this beautiful package, and it has this gorgeous bow on it, and, and, and after I hand it to you, I'm running away, and you look down and see a timer on the top of the package. And it's counting down from 10, 9, 8, and as I'm running away, I yell, It's a bomb! And you see it six, five, 
And and do you think you your emotions might get stirred? Do you think maybe uh, fear, panic, stress, worry, uh, all kinds of emotions would all of a sudden stir you? Unless Pastor Goodluck happened to be standing right behind you and he whispers in your ear and says, Don't worry, I took the explosives out. <laughs> you know what you would do? You would count down. Four, three, two, one, click. You wouldn't be in fear. You wouldn't have gotten stressed. You wouldn't have had a panic attack. You wouldn't be discouraged. You wouldn't be thinking you're about to lose your life. Why? Because you heard, that is if you believed your pastor. <laughs> Let's hope you, because he is a man of integrity, so you should believe him, okay? But if you believed your pastor, then you would watch it, it count down, and your emotions would stay even keel. You'd stay in peace. You'd stay in joy. Wouldn't bother you a bit. Why? Because you knew the bomb had no power. That's what Jesus did with depression, discouragement. That's what he did with anger and bad temper. That's what he did with every negative emotion. He faced it and he took all the power out. It has no power to make you and me feel that way anymore. Pastor, sometimes you just want to stop and say, see law. See law. <laughs> I mean, I could quit preaching right there. And if you see law, that, that was one of the life changers for me when I saw, wait a minute, depression has no power to make me feel depressed. So when I have that feeling come against me, I just say, no, you're not welcome here. You have no power to make I'm not giving it to you. Shut up. Get out of here. It's not hard. It's simple childlike faith is all it is. Do I trust Daddy's Word or not? Did He say He did this or not? When I believe that, that's when grace flows. I stay in rest. God does all the work. Let's turn over to a famous verse. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. You know which one I'm going to. Verse 7, right? Casting all your what? <laughs> Everybody knows that verse. Everybody's tried it, and most of them hadn't gotten it work yet. But let's look at it and see if we can find out why here. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. Is anybody getting anything? This is life-changing. I'm telling you what, I'm so thrilled you all came back tonight. After this morning and tonight, you're going to put this, you're going to not just be a hearer, you're going to be a doer. And you watch the next month and then the next month and 12 months will go by and you'll be able to look back and think, this has been the most fun 12 months of my life, man. I'm stress-free, depression-free, discouragement-free, bad temper-free. I mean, whatever it is that's been ringing your bells up to this point, I I'm free, man, I'm free. I control my feelings now. I was reading after, anybody ever hear of Smith Wigglesworth? Great man of faith, right? Well, I was reading one of his books one time and I remember reading this statement that he made. He said, I never ask Smith Wigglesworth how I feel. I tell him how I feel. Most people didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But man, when I read that, I was already living this lifestyle because the Lord had taught me. I wasn't taught by man. I never heard it preached. I never heard, uh, read it in a book. This came directly from Jesus to me. And when I started doing the Word, and it wasn't because Jesus came in my room and talked to me. It was because He showed me in the Bible. 
Because this is what he said when he first started talking to me. If you will do what I show you in my word. So it had nothing to do with Larry Hutton and it had to do with everybody then. Because God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Then the word became flesh and his name is Jesus, right? So Jesus is for every one of us. The word's for every one of us. If this works for one of us, it works for all of us. God's no respecter of persons. What He's done for one, He's done for all. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Peter 5, 7. Notice what it says. Casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. So when the Lord brought me here, this was during the time when He was teaching me all this stuff. He brought me here and had me read the verse, because, you know, almost every Christian knows verse 7, casting all your care. So I read the verse. He had me read it. And then He said, now, what's the first word of the verse? Verse. I said, Lord, it's the word casting. He said, would you start a sentence or a thought with the word casting? I thought for a moment. I said, no, sir, I wouldn't. He said, neither would I. He said, why don't you back up and find out what I'm talking about when I say casting? So I read the whole chapter. But when I got to the end of verse 5, I saw something. The end of verse 5 said, God resists the proud and gives what to the humble? Grace. He gives grace to the humble. Now watch what it says in verse 6 before verse... Remember, it's not written in chapter and verse, so we're going to read verse 6 right into verse 7 because it was written together. Notice, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand that He may exalt you in due time by casting all your care because He cares for you. Humble yourself, casting all your care. Humble yourself... By casting all your care. It takes humility to humble yourself. And when you don't cast your care, it's the opposite of humility. It is actually pride. Now, I never thought about when I was a world-class worrier that that was pride. I never thought about when somebody is depressed, they have entered into pride. I never thought about that. But God said you have to humble yourself under God's hand by casting your care. This is what the Lord showed me. He said, Larry, if you allow the care, whether it's the worry, depression, bad temper, whatever, He said if you allow that care to stay on you when it comes against you, then what you are in essence doing is taking me off the throne of your life and you're putting yourself up there, and you're telling me, Lord, I don't need you with this on this one. I'll handle this one myself. And so if it's depression, we handle it ourselves. Oh, man, I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. We handle it really good, don't we? He said, no, it takes humility to resist it because you have to admit, you know what? I'm not big enough to get mad about this. I'm not big enough to handle this worry or stress. I'm not big enough to get in fear about the Lord. I'll just rest and stay. I'll let you take care of it because you already bore this for me. That is humility. That releases faith. And God gives grace to the humble. Then he said this to me. He said worry. And then he called depression and all the other negative emotions too. So we'll just say the one for starts. He said, worry is one of the most dangerous and deceptive forms of pride. Depression is one of the most dangerous 
and deceptive forms of pride. And then he took me to a couple of scriptures. See, I was studying out this word care. You know, it says we're supposed to cast all our what? Care. Well, I found out it's the Greek word meremna, M-E-R-I-M-N-A, meremna. And meremna is talking about all the cares, the depression, the stress, the worries, and all those things. So when I looked up that word, then the Lord took me to two other New Testament scriptures that use the same word meremna, because we're supposed to cast our care. But he showed me why it's so dangerous and why it's so deceptive if we don't. Now, obviously, seeing in this verse, these two verses here, that if we don't, we're actually entering into pride. It's the opposite of humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, obviously, that reveals some things why it would be dangerous, why it would be deceptive. But then the Lord took me to two other verses. I want you to hold your place here. And I want you to, first of all, turn to Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. And we're going to go to verse 34. We're going to look up this word meremna, or the word care that we're supposed to be casting. Cast all your meremna, cast all your care. We're going to look at it, first of all, at Luke 21 and verse 34. Jesus is talking here. It's written in red. And let's find out why it's dangerous and why it's deceptive, a very dangerous and deceptive form of pride. Luke 21, 34, Take heed to yourselves, I'm reading from the King James, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. The word hearts is the same one we saw this morning in John 14, 27, talking about your emotions and your feelings. So it's talking about your feelings and emotions here. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your emotions or your feelings get overcharged, as some translations say, weighed down or overburdened. And that's what the literal Greek says as well. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your feelings, your emotions get weighed down, overcharged, overburdened with. Now it mentions three things that can burden your emotions. The first two are natural, dealing with alcohol. The first one, in the King James, it says surfeiting. I think it's the Amplified says giddiness. The literal Greek says giddiness caused from drinking alcohol. And it simply means when somebody is giddy from drinking alcohol, they're not in their right mind. A lot of times they will think things are funny when even they're not funny. They're just not thinking clearly. He said that will cause your emotions to be stirred and weighed down. Number two is drunkenness. This, this Greek word is talking about somebody that's drank so much that they can't even hardly walk. They're not passed out, but they've had so much alcohol they're, they're useless. Uh, Neither one of these conditions, giddiness or drunkenness, uh, would be a condition of a person that you would go to for counsel if you needed some marriage counseling. Would you? Or let's say you had an extra 100000 you wanted to invest. You wouldn't go to somebody drunk as a skunk and say, Hey, can you give me some wise counsel about where to invest my money right now? You know why you wouldn't look to a giddy person or a drunk person for counsel? is because you know they're not in tune with God right now. And you want godly counsel. You want wise counsel. You don't want ungodly counsel, right? They're not in a position there. The alcohol has them weighed down, overburdened, overstimulated in their feelings and sensory realm. So you don't want, to want, want them to help you at all. What about the third category? Um, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your emotions get weighed down, overcharged, overburdened with the cares of this life. 
That word cares is the same Greek word marimna that we're looking at in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care. Jesus says right here, if you allow the cares that I'm telling you to resist, get rid of, don't allow to stay, but if you allow them to stay, they're going to do the same thing to you that alcohol does. They're going to overcharge your emotions, they're going to overburden you, and they're going to weigh you down. Now here's the dangerous part of it. Watch this. So that day come on you unawares. What day? Talking about the return of Jesus. You're going to be so out of it, just like the drunk person, that you're not going to be in tune with what God is saying. So when God is speaking, He's directing your paths. He's ordering your footsteps, but you're not hearing directions and you're not hearing orders because you're down in the, we used to say in the south, down in the mully grubs, down in the dumps, down where the drunkard is, where you're useless, where you're not hearing the voice of God even though God's talking to you because you're drunk. Oh, no, Brother Larry, I'm not drunk on alcohol. No, you're drunk on worry and you're drunk on depression and you're drunk on stress and you're drunk on bad temper. You're drunk on all of that stuff and God is telling us right here that it will actually cause you to miss out on what God is saying and doing. That's dangerous, friends. I never even realize oh my god when i worry about something i'm just pushing myself down in the dumps pushing down where then i'm not going to hear god speak to me and i'm not going to hear god giving me orders and giving me directions so you know what i got to do i got to humble myself did you notice in first peter when it said humble yourself under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you did you see that when we read that you know what that greek word exalt means it, it doesn't mean like we think of exalt. Sometimes we might think that exalt means God's going to come up and say, boy, Way to go, girl. I'm so proud of you. Woo, woo, woo. Way to go. That's not what the word exalt here means. The word exalt, if you look up the Greek, it means to elevate up above or lift up out of. So what do we need elevated up above or what do we need to lift it up out of? all the muck and all the mire of the depression and the stress and everything that's trying to weigh us down. God said, no, no, you humble yourself. I'll give you grace if you will, because I don't resist the, the humble. I resist the proud. But if you'll enter into uh, humility and cast that care, not allowed to stay, I'll lift you up. And then, bless God, you will be soaring with the eagles instead of floundering with the turkeys. So he uses this care. But I love this verse. Take heed to yourselves. It didn't say take heed to your spouse. It doesn't say take heed to the one that's causing you all the feelings. Mm -mm. No, no. Remember, Jesus already dealt with the cause. You can't blame anybody anymore. Uh uh. Nobody to blame. But the good thing is, I don't have to. I don't have to blame anybody for the way I feel because I won't allow negative feelings to control me or rule me anymore. Now I allow peace and joy feeling fruit to control me. I yield to that all the time. Right in the midst of storms. And he said, lest at any time. See those two words, any time? If you have a Bible, you can write in or like in my... Uh, electronic Bible, I highlight it or I underline it. But if you can highlight any time, any time, any time. Let me make it real simple. 
any time means that time, that time, that time, that time, any of those single that times, you know, that's talking about any time. So that time of month, that time of life, that time of taxes, that time of elections, that time that somebody's ugly to you, that time when your car breaks down, that time, that time, whatever your that time is that rings your bell, honey, God said, take heed, even at that time, you could keep yourself in control. You don't have to allow yourself to be weighed down. But it's dangerous, friends, very dangerous if we do, because then we get out of this is why you'll hear people say, I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been asking God, I've been seeking God, and why don't I ever hear His voice? And I don't understand because I hear the pastor say, the Lord said this, and I hear people in the church say, God showed me this and God showed me this and God revealed this to me. And I, I've been praying and I've been calling out to God and I never hear His voice. What's the problem? Well, you're, you're drunk. You're drunk on the alcohol of worry and... You're drunk on stress and you're drunk on depression and you've got to humble yourself. Wow. Humble yourself. You know the Bible nowhere says that God humbles you? It says humble yourself. This is something we have to do. Humble ourselves. Okay, Lord. You already defeated this, so I'm not going to allow this feeling to stay. I'm just not going to. I refuse. I rest. And you know what Hebrews 4 says? It says, we which believe enter into rest. That's what true faith does. Faith is a rest. It puts up a shield, and then God does all your fight. And that's why it's called the good fight of faith, because you get to rest. God does the battle. That's, that's the fun way to live. So, what, it, what happens when we allow the depression to stay? When we allow the worry to stay? Well, marimna, the Greek word marimna, it comes from a root word in the Greek language. And that root word is marizo. Uh, let me show you a verse that most of you probably know with the word marizo. Do you remember when Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand and a house divided against itself can't stand? Remember that verse? That word divided is the word marizo. The word marizo in the Greek language means to fall apart or cut into pieces. So when somebody allows the worry or the depression or the guilt or the shame or the anger to remain, all of a sudden they start falling apart. And you'll hear people say, I just can't keep it together. I just feel like I'm losing it. I feel like my life is just falling apart. That's because they allowed Marimna to stay and then Marimna became Marizzo. And that's exactly where the devil wants you down, where you don't hear God ordering your footsteps and, and directing your path. Turn over to Mark chapter 4 with me. I'm going to show you another place Jesus shows us this. Mark chapter 4. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Mark, the fourth chapter. Look at verses 18 and 19. This is the parable of the sower. And just to help those of you out that maybe haven't learned this yet, if you've studied the parable of the sower, you learn there's four types of ground. Talking about the soil of a, of a man's heart, there's four types of ground. There's the wayside ground. There's the stony ground. There's the thorny ground. Then there's the good ground, right? And so if you study them out, you find out the first ground that's mentioned is the wayside ground. And God lets us know that the devil is the one involved in the first three types of ground. And he lets us know right in verse 15 when he says, these are they which are sown along the wayside, you know, seed is sown, and the devil comes immediately to steal the word that's sown in their heart. Now, wait a minute. The thief, the devil, Satan, comes immediately to steal the word. The reason God put that in the very first ground he talks about is so that we would know when things happen in the stony ground next, the afflictions and persecutions arise for the word's sake, we would know it was Satan doing it. Then when we get to verse 18 and 19, talking about stony ground, look what it says. Uh, verse 18, these are uh, or thorny ground. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Who's behind it? Satan. He's behind the... The wayside ground, he's beside, behind the stony ground, he's behind the thorny ground, trying to show us no matter what it is that he's using, it's him doing it. But guess what? He's already whipped, stripped, and defeated. So if he's the one behind it, that means there is no power that can make me yield to it. Because he's already whipped, stripped, and defeated, put underneath my feet. God's put all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that's named underneath the feet of the body of Christ. That is the church, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So if it's the devil behind this stuff, then when I read this stuff, then I can say, wait a minute, I don't have to have that. You can't make me. Uh -uh." Look at verse 19. The cares of this world. The what of this world? This is the Greek word meremna. This is what we're supposed to cast. So look what happens if we don't cast it. It says the cares of this world mentions two other things, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. We're not going to deal with those because that's not our subject. But these three areas in your life, cares, deceitfulness of riches, not riches, because Abraham was a multi-billionaire and so was Jacob and so was Isaac and so was Solomon. And none of them did money affect their walk with God. So money has nothing to do with your walk with God. The deceitfulness of riches is the problem. It's called the love of money in the New Testament. So watch this now. Uh, the cares of this world, deceitfulness, the lust of other things, enter in and choke the what? Choke the Word. Now watch. And it, that's the Word, becomes something. What does it become? Unfruitful. Wait a minute. Something can't become unfruitful unless it's first fruitful. So that tells me this, this person that's talking about here in the thorny ground, they, they've got some fruit coming forth in their life, man. They, they, they come to the ark and, and they hear Pastor Goodluck and, and they're living a pretty good life and then something comes along and uh, the cares of this life and all of a sudden they get weighed down and, and they allow it to stay and, and then that care starts choking the Word out of their life and then the Word becomes un-what? fruitful 
fruit, fruit, fruit. Like, you mean like peace, like joy? Yeah, unpeaceable, unjoyful. Are you seeing this? This is how God, I mean, the devil can take people that are good Christians going to good churches like ours and get them down in the dumps and, and just want to throw the talent on life because he got them dwelling on the problem rather than the answer. Got them dwelling on their ability instead of God's ability. Got them dwelling on themselves instead of others. You know what God showed me one time when I was thinking about a, a depressed person? When you see a depressed person, my heart just goes out to them. Here's what the Lord said to me one time. He said, you know, you look at a person. He was talking to me personally. He said, you look at a person like that, and sometimes they're, you know, they have a low self-esteem and, uh, you know, just getting beat over the head all the time. But usually those kind of people will give this shirt off their back. They're just wonderful people. But here they are fighting depression and, and depressed. And, and the Lord said, Larry, you look at those kind of people and say, oh, such a humble person. He said, I look at those kind of people and say, what a prideful person. They're full of pride. He said, it is impossible to be depressed unless you're thinking about self. I'm so glad the Lord taught me this stuff because now I get to share it with my brothers and sisters around the world because we don't have to live that way anymore. When I found this out, whoa, that's right, I... I have to have my faith in me if I'm depressed. Yeah, because if I'm depressed, it's because I didn't get my way or I can't do this or I can't have this or I, 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 me, me. It's all about me when you're depressed or mad or any other negative emotion. It's all about self. That's why we titled the CD series on our book table, Free From Me. You've got to get free from self. Die to self. Do it daily. <laughs> Amen. So I wanted you to see this because we're going to go back and close in Peter in just a moment. I wanted you to see that the purpose of the care, or I could say it this way, the purpose of the depression or the stress, whatever, is to choke the Word. When it chokes the Word, you become unfruit, unpeace, unjoy, unlove, you know, fruit. All of a sudden, the fruit isn't manifesting. You have it in you still, but it's not working now. And all of a sudden then, that's when you go down and you're weighed down. And you allow it to stay, then you, when you're weighed down, all of a sudden you're not on a wavelength where you're hearing God's directions and you're not hearing God's orders. And then you're crying out and you're wondering why God's not answering your prayers. But He is. And, and He'll even send a preacher from Tulsa, Oklahoma to tell you why. <laughs> so that you don't have to stay down there anymore. So that you can humble yourself and God will lift you up out of that. And He'll set you on the high places with Him. And then, bless God, you'll get to enjoy life the way it was meant to be. Listen, friends, when Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, He meant what He said and said what He meant. We, listen, we as Christians, we ought to be the happiest, most peaceful people on the planet. With what Jesus has done for us, there's no reason for us to be down or depressed. Okay, so here, here comes a storm. You know, something knocks your head where your feet was just a minute before. Listen, I've already been warned. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome it. So what do you do? You keep walking. 
And you walk by faith, not by sight. And so what do you do? The 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what that is. That's the tribulation. That's the test, the trials, the world that's throwing at you. Though I walk. It doesn't say though I camp in. It doesn't say yea, though I'm defeated in. The valley of shadow of death. No. It says though I walk through. So yep, I'm going to walk through this life. Hell is going to raise its ugly head. All hell's going to break loose. And when all hell breaks loose in my life, I'm going to start rejoicing. I'm going to start talking about the peace and joy of God. And guess what we as Christians do when we give voice to His peace and joy that's in us? We release all heaven. So when all hell breaks loose, release heaven. And I'm telling you, heaven is more powerful because the two collided only about 2,000 years ago, and guess who won? Light will always dispel darkness, friends. So when you and I give voice to, when we release, let's go back over to Peter and I'll close over there. When we release that out of our spirit, man, by speaking it, that's how you release the blessings of heaven. You're a living, speaking spirit created in the image and likeness of God. So if God wanted to ha- something to happen, He said... God said, let there be. God said, let there be. God said. When He wanted something to happen, He spoke. And uh, in the New Testament, in Romans, doesn't it say you and I are supposed to rule and reign in life by one Christ Jesus as kings and priests? Rule and reign like a king. How does a king get things moving and happening? He makes decrees. Man, when it doesn't look good, the king doesn't just sit there and go, Oh, man, this is really looking bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, he's the king, man. He starts decreeing, making some orders. So place some orders out there, man. Start saying, It is written, Jesus bore this. If it's stress or depression or whatever it is you're facing, Jesus bore this. I will not bear it. He gave me his peace instead. I have the peace of God. Woo! I'm telling you what, a simple act of faith like that is going to put you over, friends. Because it's not about you anymore. Now it's about him. Him dwelling in you. Him, the greater one, is being released out of you. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 5. Man, thank you, Lord. I'm trying to find a place where I can close here. Because <laughs> normally, normally the Lord doesn't have me teach on this subject when I just have a Sunday. Normally I do like three days on this subject or something. Because there's so much good stuff in here. But I noticed a bunch of you getting the CD series and the book. They'll, they'll cover a lot of stuff we're not having time to cover. But um, look at look First Peter again. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time by casting all your care. Why does God want you to cast your care? Because He cares for you. Listen, God knows He, He did not design your physical body to be weighed down with depression or weighed down with worry or weighed down with stress. That's why doctors have such a hard time diagnosing illnesses and diagnosing symptoms that are real. They're real, they're factual, they're part of the reality realm, but they can't diagnose them because they're not caused by anything but 
a negative emotion, a worry, a stress, an unforgiveness, a hurt feeling, a, a bad temper, anger problem. And so it stirs up, it agitates the whole physical anatomy, and so it causes things not to work right. And then you have real pains and you have real problems. But I was talking to one of my doctor friends one time. I, I said, Doc, I said, tell me, you know, when somebody comes in and gives you this symptom, he said, okay, Larry, here's the scoop. He said, in medical school, we're taught... When you, when you say, I have this problem, it may fall under four different categories. It could fall under six. It could fall under three, whatever. Let's just say four. He said, you come into my office and you tell me your symptoms. And in, in school, I was taught, well, that's either going to be category number one, category number two, category number three, category number five. Now, what I've got to do, I've got to try and see if I can figure out which one it is. And then I've got to prescribe medicine if I pick the right category. So I prescribe the medicine that goes with that category because that's what I think it is. If you come back a few weeks later and you're getting worse or it hadn't changed, i got to go to category number two. Now I've got to prescribe that medicine. The first medicine I prescribed wasn't the right one. It probably had side effects, ill effects, and maybe caused more problems, but I can't help that. It's too late now. So now i gotta, I got to go to category number two. And so i got to category number three. After I've gone to category number three and category number four, and nothing's helping, and you've got all these side effects from all this medicine that you didn't even need, but I'm trying to help you. You just don't understand. I really am trying to help you. But see... The problem is doctors practice medicine. Jesus is the only one that doesn't practice medicine. And I'm not against doctors. I have sent people to doctors to keep them alive until I get the word in them and get them healed. I have. I've sent people to doctors. Go, go to the doc. I can tell, man, they're not ready to believe God yet. I've got to get more word into them so they'll just believe God. So I'll send them to the doctor to keep them alive and then get the word in them and then get them healed and then they don't have to go back to the doctor. You know what else has been happening? I love this, Pastor. Angela, I, I, this has been happening in these type of meetings. We've had people coming to these type of meetings where they hear me teach on God's divine peace and how to live it in your emotions and your feelings. And they have had all kinds of physical issues. They've had their pastors pray for them. They've been to... Uh, Benny Hinn's crusades and had him pray and they've had some of the greatest men and women Joyce Meyer and different people pray for him and they still not healed and they come and sit in services like this and they learn how to live in peace and all of a sudden all the symptoms begin waning and waning and then finally they disappear and they're completely healed and never had anyone pray for him to be healed after that it's because God cares for us friends he knows He did not design our bodies to handle the weight of all that negative stuff. Children of God, <laughs> I'm no longer a slave. To... Thank you for singing that tonight. She was asking me this morning some songs that I like, and I told her that's one of my favorite. I said, now, if you sing that, it's going to ring my bell. <laughs> I said, and I, and I said, don't sing it first. Sing it last right before I preach. <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer. I refuse to fear about anything. And you need to understand, worry is a form of fear. Stress is a form of fear. I refuse. I will not stress. I will not worry. I refuse. When I have the moment, every one of us are going to have the moment where I find myself starting to worry. I said, no, no stop you right now. No, uh, you're not welcome in my life. I live in the peace of God. God will take care of that for me. I had to, listen, I'll just use myself as an example. Last year, last year, there was a whole month 
where the money that came into our ministry wasn't enough where my wife and I could take a paycheck. Now, I have to have money to live, right? But, but the offerings that come in are not my source. My God's my source. So what my employees did not know, we never told them, still don't know, unless they happen to listen to a tape like this or something, but, but they won't know. But for a whole month, actually, the 15th we get paid, my employees get paid, and, and my wife and I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. We went the 15th and the 30th and the next 15th without a paycheck. My employees all got paid because we had enough money in the ministry to pay them. But my wife and I went a month and a half with no paycheck, and it didn't affect us at all because of the blessings of heaven that come in other ways and because of God showing us how to invest. We've bought and sold houses and bought and sold things and invested in stuff. So when that happened, we didn't miss a beat. Didn't change our lifestyle a minute. We still go out to eat most of the time because we live on the road, so you really don't have any choice, you know. Uh, you know, when you're only home a day and a half, you're not going to go fill up your fridge from Walmart, right? Because <laughs> it'll all spoil while you're gone on the next trip. So, But I had to cast my cares during that month and a half. You know, I had, you know what? God, paycheck's not my source. Thank you, Lord. You're my source. So we'll just keep giving. We'll keep sowing, Lord. We're not going to stop our giving. We're not going to stop our sowing. Every time we went to church, heard our pastor, every time God gave us an opportunity. And all of our partnerships were partners with different ministries, $100 a month and $200 a month, sometimes 1000 a month, different things. And so I'm just going to keep giving because seed time also has harvest. So God's my source. But I had to make sure that I stayed in peace so that then when God spoke to do something, go here, do this, uh, it's time to sell that investment. Whatever God told us to do, we were, we were not down in the pit. We weren't weighed down. We were up here living in peace, living in joy, and so that when He spoke, we were able to move and do it. Go buy this, not turn around and sell it. Can I give you a quick testimony on that? Not long ago, uh, God spoke to me and my wife at the same time. Uh, we were with a partner out in California, and this partner had a piece of art he wanted to sell. I knew nothing about art, so I'm thankful I know the one who knows everything about art, called the Holy Spirit inside us. And so this man went and showed us this piece of art, and the Lord spoke to my wife and to me separately, and then we talked and found out he spoke the same thing to both of us, buy that art. The Lord spoke, said, buy that art. Spoke to my wife, buy that art. Well, first of all, when I saw the art, it was ugly. <laughs> so from a natural standpoint, I didn't want the art. <laughs> but God said, buy the art. Secondly, when I asked the guy, how much is it? He said, 25. Well, you know, I've paid $25 for art before. But when he said that, I'm thinking, he's talking 2500 I've never paid 250 for a piece of art. Why would I pay 2500 I said, $2,500? He said, no, 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 $25,000. I couldn't even say it. I said, $25,000. What? <laughs> but God said, buy the ark. Well, because of our giving, we give more and more into the gospel every year. We've had a lot of harvest come in. We had the 25000 in a savings account. So, But I still didn't want to do it because the art was ugly. <laughs> And I didn't know anything about it. 
And I thought, if I buy that art, it's not going to be hang in my garage. Nobody's going to see it. I'm not going to hang it up. But God said buy it. So we bought it. I had to stay in peace, my friends. Because <laughs> I want to make sure I'm hearing from God. And this will affect your finances. It will affect your physical health. It will affect your marriage. This is going to affect every area of your life. You live in peace, friends. So a short time later, after we bought it, God said, now sell it. So we sold it. We paid how much for it? 25000 short time later, we sold it for 175000 And I don't know anything about art. But I live in peace. And when you live in peace and God orders your footsteps, you'll hear orders. And when He directs your paths, you'll hear the directions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It'll be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. I mean, even your bones will, won't get arthritis or bursitis. Uh, you'll stay strong and healthy all the days of your life when you're trusting God. All right. I, I said I was closing, so I've got to do this now. <laughs> look, look at this verse. Casting all your care because He cares for you. I could preach on that for another year. cares for you. But watch the next verse. Be sober, be vigilant, and, and that simply means in the Greek, it simply means pay attention and be on your guard. Kind of like when we read Luke 21, 34, take heed. That's, that's the same thing here. Uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, who's your adversary? The devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say he is a roaring lion. We know by all the other New Testament verses, he's a pussycat with no teeth. So he roars real loud. That's the only thing he can do is put on a big front, a big facade, but no power backing it up. Remember? God's already taken all the power out. So here he roars real loud trying to get you to care, worry, stress, fly off the handle. Here he is with all these fronts, all these facades, trying to get you to believe in them so that you will endue them with power so they can overwhelm you. So he roars real loud. Like when your wife or your husband says said something to you that could hurt your feelings, he roars and says, you deserve a better spouse than that. Roar. What's he doing? He's trying to get you to have some doubt about the one you married. He's trying to get the spirit of divorce in you. That's something I told my wife when we got married over 35 years ago. I said, there is no plan B. I said, this isn't a marriage contract. That's what government calls our marriage license. This is a marriage covenant. So the only way you're out of this marriage is if I ever hit you or abuse you, then I want you to leave, but I never will. Amen. So there's no such thing as divorce. There's, that's not an option. Sorry. It's not. And when you understand marriage is a covenant, You'll work it out. doesn't mean you're going to agree all the time. My wife and I have a lot of disagreements, but you don't have to be disagreeable and fight just because you disagree. Brother Hagin used to make that statement. You can, be dis you, you can uh, disagree without being disagreeable. Because disagree doesn't mean you have to fight, get mad. Okay, you have your opinion, I have mine. Let's pray and ask the Lord to reveal which one's right. And 99 times out of 100, it's the wife. Okay, but we'll move along. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, wait a minute. This is right after he says, humble yourself by casting your care. Pay attention and be on your guard. Aha. Did we see over in the parable of the sower that it was the devil behind the cares of this life? Here we're seeing it again. In context, when we read verse 8 with verse 7, guess what? Now we're seeing he's the one behind the cares. And if we allow him to stay, what does he do? He devours. He devours your health. He devours your marriage. He devours your finances. Whatever he can devour, he's going to devour. But what are we supposed to do? What's verse 9 say? Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now, why in the world should we resist the devil? Well, I think the Bible says if you resist him, he will. But that means you submit to God first. So you don't just resist the devil. You submit to, okay, I have, got, I have the peace of God because Jesus said he gave me his peace. So now I'm submitted to God. Now I can resist the devil. Don't do James 4, 7, the end first, and then try the beginning. No, the first part is submit to God and then resist the devil. Right? So that's what we're doing. We're resisting him steadfast in the faith. That means we're using the shield of what? Faith. And the shield of faith will quench a couple fiery darts, won't it? Well, some fiery darts. Well, a few. Well, maybe many fiery darts. How many? All the fiery darts of the wicked. How many? Does all mean stress? Does all mean depression? Does all include hurt feelings? Does all include bad temper? Does all include every curse that you and I have to deal with this in, in this life? Sure does. It includes all of them. So if I can do that, I'm going to not have the devil devouring me. And I can do it because Jesus said, don't let your feelings be troubled. He said, I give you my peace. Back at Calvary, we saw he bore our griefs. For our sorrows, for our stress, worry, depression, discouragement, for my guilt and my shame. And we all probably have past that we could really get guilty about and shameful about things that we've done in the past. But no, Jesus bore that. I refuse to go there. The devil loves Christians to hold on to their past because as long as you're holding on to the past, you can't grasp the future. doesn't want you holding on to the past. Let it go. Let it go. I wish I had more time, but I feel like the Holy Ghost said, okay, that's good, so I'm going to stop. You've heard enough this morning and tonight to never have another down day the rest of your life. You've heard enough word. I mean, Brother Copeland, if you've ever heard him preach, he says this all the time. He says, one word of God can change your life forever. One word. That's how my grandmother got healed of cancer, terminal cancer at 75, and then lived till she was 95. She heard Jesus bore our sicknesses. One, one passage of Scripture. One Word of God. Don't let your emotions trouble you anymore. You have the peace of God. You have Jesus' peace. Now use it. Right? So you and I can. We can use it. And I want to exhort my brothers and sisters here to do so. <clears throat> You're not playing games. You wouldn't be back on a Sunday night if you were just playing. <laughs> this is serious business with us. 
I have people when I teach on this subject will come up to me at, at, at the resource table or wherever and they'll come up and say, Brother Larry, you don't know. You were sent here just for me. I needed to hear this. And you know what I tell them? I said, so did I. No, I, this is for every single Christian. I know maybe you're going through a condition or situation or something where you feel like I was sent for just you, but this every child of God needs this because it affects every area of our lives. And if we learn to walk in this kind of peace and rest and tranquility and joy, it, it's a fruit that gives off, gets off on other people. <laughs> it just, it'll get off on others. And then, you know what's cool about living this way? We're a lot more fun to be around. Yeah, when I'm living in peace and joy, people like being around me. When you live in, I mean, nobody wants to be around a sourpuss all the time and somebody that's always talking defeat and a pessimistic person and a woe is me. And yeah, People don't want to hang around that. You and I ought to be the kind of people they want to hang around. And then when they hang around us, our fruit's going to get on them. Their fruit's not going to get on us. Because we're not going to allow it, right? It has no power to overcome us. Wow. Everybody say, wow. wow. Now say it backwards. I saw some of you hesitate right there. You were going backwards. Wait a minute. What was <laughs> Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and let's thank God. Father, right now we just want to thank you for showing us truth that is life-altering, life-changing. Lord, we're going to be able to... The next 12 months going to be the best 12 months of our lives. Wow, Lord, thank You. Thank You for truth. Now we know truth can supersede facts and reality. We know truth can overcome all of these natural things in this realm. Truth will never change. And Your Word is truth. Thank You, Lord. Thank you for revealing these things to us. And as a token of our faith, we hold up our hands and just yield. Say, Lord, we believe. We believe right now. We believe and we're not going to let this go. We're not going to ever live by allowing our feelings to control us anymore. No. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Say, I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to fear, depression, worry, stress. I am a child. All right, how many of you are determined to live this way from now on? Amen. We can, can't we? We can. It's not about us. It's about Him. That's why we can. If it's about us, we're in trouble. But if it's about Him living through us, makes it easy, friends. It's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. No longer a slave to fear, worry, stress, depression, anger. No longer. No more. No more. He split the sea and I'm walking through it. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I just, I just can't wait to hear now. You guys are going to have to kind of keep in touch with me the next few months, the next six months, whatever. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Whatever our, our broadcast, our TV broadcast is on YouTube. If you have a Roku box, you can actually watch our TV program. But there's a lot of different ways to watch our TV program. But send me emails a couple months down the line and just tell me what you went through and how you came out the other side victorious and, and how you haven't had a down day since and how it's changed your life. And, and I'll tell you what, other people are going to see it. I, I truly, truly believe in Matthew 5:16 when Jesus said, "Let your light so shine." He was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works, and then they want to glorify your Father in heaven. That's one of the best ways to be a witness: is let peace rule, let joy, let love, let kindness, let goodness, let self-control. People will see you going through the same things they've gone through at the office, at work, in the world, in politics, everything. But they'll see you living in that peace that passes all understanding. And they're going to want it. It may be they'll say, where do you go to church? And you'll tell them. That's one way to grow the church. Let your light shine. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, is there anything else you want me to say? Anything else you want me to do? I'll obey you, Lord. Yes, sir. All right. So be it then. He said, nope. You tell them to take it and do it, and I'll be behind every word of it. God will confirm His Word with signs. Amen? I mean, when I do healing crusades, you have a lot of people that get healed because He confirms the Word that was taught with signs. Guess what? He's going to confirm this Word that's taught. The next storm you enter into, you're going to say, peace be still. And you're going to walk right through it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank Pastor Goodluck and Angela. Thank you for having me back and allowing me to minister to your precious congregation. And thank you, praise and worship team, and even the praise and worship team that's not up there. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Thank you, sound people. You're awesome. Thank you all for allowing me to share the word that it's a landmark in our lives. Man, I think about how messed up my life was. It's so many stress-filled days, so many fly-off-the-handle days, so many days filled with negative emotion. And I never have them anymore. These are tears of joy, by the way. It's just I'm so thrilled. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you allowing me to come be with my family here. Share this goodness. Part of your goodness. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm writing a new mini book for... um, I know a lot of Christians are going to end up liking it too, but I'm writing it for the... all. You know, we're advertising on Google. I told you this this morning. We're advertising on Google to get people saved. And I told you 33,000 people a month are, ad, are searching Google on how to get saved nationwide, hundreds of thousands, you know, 
for tens of millions of people, but 33,000 people a month searching how to get saved. We've been advertising on Google for six months now. We've had almost 17,000 people get saved at our website. Is that awesome? So I'm writing a little mini book because I, I read all of my uh, my other sources of many books about, you know, the new birth and, and, and all these different books, and I just wasn't satisfied. I wanted something that would be simple and easy for somebody to understand what God's did for you. And, 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 and the salvation package is not a light thing, man. If you sin, you don't have to go to the altar and get saved again. And, and just all these things that Christians need to understand. So I'm writing a mini book, so it'll come out soon. I'm making it available because churches want something to hand out for people to get saved. And I've already had a whole bunch of churches around the country want to order the mini book once it's out. But uh, just just be in agreement with us that I can get this done. I'm almost, I'm almost done within the next couple of weeks. I'll, I should have it finished. And we're going to get it to the printers, get it printed off, and, and then have to probably print tens of thousands of them to get them to churches all over the country. But uh, it's going to help people. It's going to help them learn things I wish I would have heard when I was a baby Christian. Saved me a lot of stuff if I would have learned God's not mad at you. Even when you miss it, He's not mad at you. You don't have to run to the altar and get saved again. You're still saved. He still loves you. And then share with them about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Share with them about the love of God. Share with them about getting in a good local church. I'm sharing this in the mini book. Just different things that new believers need to know. Praise God. So be in faith with us and believe with us. And, and uh, thank you. Thank you for sowing. I know you sowed an offering this morning to our ministry and tonight. So I, I command the blessing of harvest to come back on every one of you that gave in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, uh, for doing that. Uh, somebody asked me, so I just will announce this. They were wondering if when they purchase product, could they add an offering on their debit or credit card? Yes, that's an option. If you want, just tell the ladies what amount is for the for the gift and so that they can keep it separate. Praise God. Y'all stand to your feet. I'm going to turn this over to Pastor. Good luck and let him dismiss us unless you want me to dismiss him. We have any announcements or anything? Okay, so he has something to say, so I'm going to turn this over to him. I sure love you guys. After Pastor, um, oh, you know what? I was going to give some things away. Can I give some things away, Pastor? <laughs>